for the faint of heart We all stars, win or lose, we don't play the part And when the goal getting tough, I get to going hard You bring your best and you know this is our time Hands to the sky, you already know I ain't gotta tell them why Hands to the sky, this is our time You already know I ain't gotta tell them why This is our house What's up, guys? <clears throat> we are here with another episode of The Rundown. I am your, my team didn't even get mentioned this week, co-host, Ben Peterson, alongside my uh, probably is done rooting for the Bengals co-host, Justin Tavner. Justin, <laughs> as always, how you doing today, man? Um, usually when you ask that over the last couple weeks, I've been doing better. Um, this week, not so much. This not is not so one much. of those. <laughs> no. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, well. Uh, plenty to get to today, uh, some fun stuff coming up. For now, we will start right away with Hit or Miss Part 2. So for those of you that don't remember from Week 5, Hit or Miss is our segment where we look at our uh, some of our takes from the previous five weeks and um, either, you know, roast ourselves for eh, probably not the best take ever or celebrate the fact that, hey, we were right, we told you so. Um, without further ado, Justin, why don't you start us off? All right. Yeah. The big reason we do this is we just, uh, we also kind of want to take accountability for kind of some of our takes. Um, just so you know, we're not saying just random stuff and hoping it sticks. Um, so, uh, my two hits that I've had in week six, I said that the Falcons should bench Desmond Ritter for Taylor Heineke. Um, they did just that. Um, however, Heineke ended up, I believe, getting hurt. In this last game against the Cardinals, Desmond Ritter came in. He was all right. Um, so I don't exactly think that Heineke is the answer for Atlanta, but at the moment, neither is Ritter. Um, I, I think that the Falcons should be in the market for a quarterback this season, whether that's free agency or, or the draft. Is there, really, um, is there really an answer at quarterback for the Falcons, though? Let's, let's... Yeah, that's true. I could probably step in there and do better. <clears throat> probably. Um. <laughs> My other hit that I had in week eight, I said that the Los Angeles Chargers were the biggest disappointment of the season. <laughs> and as it stands right now, they are tied for last in their own division with the Denver Broncos. And they are actually, I believe, half a game back from the Las Vegas Raiders. <clears throat> uh, four of their five losses have come in one score games. And that is not personnel. That is coaching. They still have quite a few winnable games on their schedule, but it is a massive uphill battle for them to climb back into the playoff conversation in a crowded AFC. So LA Chargers, easily the biggest disappointment. Ben, what were your hits? <laughs> so uh, probably my best hit here was that in week five, I called for Bill Belichick's job. Um, since then, the Patriots, <laughs> they have been downright awful, Justin. Um, Mac yeah, Jones. great. Mac Jones could not quarterback the Southern New Hampshire College A&M Technical University Northern Campus. And Bill, Bill clearly... It was Sugar Gliders, first of all. Oh, my bad. <laughs> and Bill clearly cannot draft talent anymore. <laughs> um, I think the Patriots need to blow it up. Uh, I think you need to fire Bill Belichick. I know that would be controversial, but at the same time, he's 72. He's not getting any younger, and he is not changing. Um, I think you fire him, you start new next year. Kind of on that same vein, you know, Robert Kraft is not getting any younger. 
And I'm sure he'd love to have another chance at a Super Bowl ring before he retires. And then my second hit was that in Week 9, uh, I dropped just absolute hellfire and damnation on the Buffalo Bills, and good grief was I right. Their entire offense lives and dies with Josh Allen playing hero ball, and it is just not at all sustainable. Uh, the Bills window is closed, uh, and to be, to be quite honest with you, I don't know how open it ever was, but it is absolutely closed now. They very likely missed the playoffs this year, and uh, Brandon Staley is finally fired about two years too late. And now, for yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of in that same vein. I saw a stat today that was in the last five years, the Titans are three and four in the playoffs, went to an AFC championship game, and have three division round appearances. The Buffalo Bills, in that same time span, five years, have appeared in one AFC championship game, are four and four in the playoffs, and have appeared in three divisional rounds. So they're the Titans. <clears throat> yes, but but we but we view the Titans as rebuilding. You know, it, I, <laughs> <laughs> am I wrong? They're, they're three and six. <laughs> um, but but we view them as rebuilding. You know, they're not there. Yada yada yada. Why are we not talking about the Bills in the same in the same light? You know, like why I don't understand the hype on, on the Bills anymore. They are clearly that their window is shut locked and frozen solid it's <laughs> it's done um right. anyway <laughs> so in the in the vein of uh you know things rebuilding things being bad here we are moving on to the section of this that we would probably rather avoid but you know pick integrity all that jazz we gotta we gotta uh, own up to our mistakes and so without further ado justin give us your misses um in week five um this was one game after jonathan taylor had come back I said that Zach Moss should be receiving as many, if not more, touches than Jonathan Taylor. Um, Since then, Jonathan Taylor has had games of total yardage of 65, 120, 97, 69, and 75. And, uh, man, that was definitely not my best take in the world. In your defense, Zach Moss did run for like 2 million yards against the Titans, and Jonathan Taylor ran for like 18. So, I mean... That one's a little more excusable than my next one. In week six, I said that Zach Wilson is still a competent quarterback and could lead the Jets to a playoff spot. Since then, in the three games that he has played, he has completed 58% of his throws. He has thrown for one touchdown in three games and also an interception, while being sacked 14 times and having a QBR of 33.8 that's why he's uh, the mvp that's why the he's jets are cooked <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right now for my misses so for my first miss justin cover your ears man you don't want to hear this one in week five i said that the cincinnati Bengals would be okay and can make the super bowl i'm not gonna lie justin this one hurts me too as much as I wanted to be right about your Bengals, they've just done everything they possibly can to shoot themselves in the foot and to clinch home couch advantage for the playoffs this year. Past Bengals teams, they started out slow, and then it feels like they've rattled off a bunch of great games and never really wavered. Whereas this team has started slow, they but they treaded water, winning three straight, and then they just lost a game it felt like they had to have to stay alive in the division. Um, you know, this week's game against the Ravens on Thursday Night Football, uh, that's a must win, dude. I think if you don't win... 
I don't I don't know that there's a way you can stay alive in the AFC North. And we're talking about Zach Taylor's future in Cincinnati next week. Yeah. I'm just going to skip over my second one. I don't really want to... No, 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 no. Okay, well, it's the one you've all been <laughs> waiting for. This is my favorite for. one. Yeah, it's the one you've all been waiting for. The candidate for Miss of the Year, which will probably be an award at the end of the NFL season for us. <sighs> I said that the Baltimore Ravens would miss the playoffs. Now, while I do stand by the fact that if Lamar gets hurt, their season is over, uh... Given that they've been my best team in the AFC for the last few weeks, it definitely cannot be overlooked that I said that as much as I wish it was. Um, <clears throat> the Baltimore Ravens clearly listened to our podcast, and they took it personally. Uh, they're well on their way to making this become an I want Iguadala level take from me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go hide. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not great. Uh, not great, Max Kellerman. Yeah, that's fair. Uh Speaking of wanting to hide, let's move on to the weekly recap and talk about a team that probably wants to hide that we've already covered. Uh, So for our first game, uh, Broncos country, let's ride, baby. Uh, Russell Wilson cooked. He went 24 of 29 for 193 yards, two touchdowns. Um, He currently has more touchdowns through week 10 than he's had, than he had all of 2022 and 2023. Sean Payton definitely seems to finally be turning things around. Uh, suddenly the Broncos have won three straight and are back in the playoff hunt, which is just phenomenal when you consider the fact that we were, we watched them lose 70-20 to 20 earlier this year. Like, this doesn't, <laughs> it's hilarious, but also it does not feel like that's even the same team that we're looking at right now. <laughs> like, if you would have told me that the Broncos were going to lose 70-20, to 20, but then also beat the Chiefs and the Bills in the same season, I'd have slapped you in the face. Probably well-deserved, too. Um <laughs> You know, their running game is being effective enough. Um, and then Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy have stepped up and are playing well enough that Denver is scoring points. I mean, in honesty, Denver scoring points hasn't been the issue. It's been their defense. But their defense, I feel like, has also really stepped up in the last few weeks. I agree. Moving on to the other side of the ball. Uh, breaking news, Buffalo Bills have fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Uh, and rightfully so, because I, what was that, Justin? Uh, bad. That's what it was. Like, <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It's just bad. Like before, I get into absolutely destroying Josh Allen. I do want to give him the slight caveat of two of his interceptions where he hit his receiver directly in the hands and they just coughed it up to the other team. That being said, uh, he had three turnovers. Oh no, he. I'm sorry. One of his interceptions was that he had two interceptions, one fumble. Uh, he threw for 178 yards. He had a touchdown pass uh, and a 27.1 QBR. <laughs> it's time we. It's, I mean, we got to look at Josh Allen for what he is, man. It's. I'm done listening to arguments that he's a top five quarterback. I'm done listening to arguments that he's Patrick Mahomes level. I'm done listening to arguments that he's freaking Josh Dobbs level at this point. He is a talented, awesome thrower of the football who cannot get out of his own way. He tries to too mu- do too much, and it gets them in trouble. Uh, you know, Josh Allen being the best player on his team is why the Bills will not be successful long term. They don't have a running game. His offensive line is garbage. I mean, he's forced to play hero ball all the time, and in this NFL, you cannot win championships like that. I'm gonna turn it over to you now. Uh, what were your takeaways from this game, Justin? 
Um, yeah, kind of just going off what you said, like Josh Allen, just they, they're too Josh Allen-centric. The, everything they do runs through him, and I he just has not... Over, over the last two years, he has just not proven that he's capable of doing that. And, I mean, you, you know, you want to know what the Buffalo Bills are. You, you want to know, you ready for this? Bring it on. The Buffalo Bills are fajitas. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, me, let, me, uh, let me explore that a little bit more. The Buffalo Bills are fajitas because every time you go to a Mexican restaurant, somebody in the restaurant orders fajitas, right? And they, they come out, they're sizzling, they're hot, they smell great, and you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I want that. I, I want to order fajitas. And so you get them, and you know they come out hot, they're sizzling, they're, you know, they, they smell great, they look great, and then, they, and then they set it down, and it's 85% peppers and onions and two little slivers of chicken. The bills are fajitas because you have Josh Allen, you have that sizzle, you have that... that that just amazing like look to it but when you get down to it it's it's not that great it's it's peppers and onions man <laughs> i i mean genuinely that, that they that, yeah the bills are peppers and onions man josh allen's that sizzle that that you get but when you finally get it and you're looking at your plate it's kind of a disappointment that's what the bills have been over the last two years to me and so, with that being said, I kind of pose a question. Should Sean McDermott have a job? I mean, the, I know they just signed him to a contract extension over, the, over you know, this offseason. But Josh Allen is, is clearly regressing. He leads the league in turnovers since he's been in the league, since 2018. I think he's accounted for almost 100 turnovers in five years. That's not great. <laughs> Um, they can, they, they seemingly, while their running backs had a good game, they seemingly can never get a good run game. They seemingly can never get the offensive line, right? And your best player, Stefan Diggs was essentially non-existent yesterday. Bro, you uh, say that you I, say they had a good game. James Cook fumbled the first snap from scrimmage. Yeah. He also ran for over a hundred yards. So give or take. Well, yeah. Cause he just decided, you know what? I'm not going to go out like that. And then, but in the grand scheme of things, did it really matter? No. But I, I, this is what the Bills are, man. They're just, they're just not good. They're just fajitas. Um, they they are fajitas, man. Uh, I and, and looking at this this their schedule, I mean, they're five and five, and I genuinely think that ten and seven is going to get you in the playoffs. Maybe. I I think there's going to be one, if not two, teams that go ten and seven that miss the playoffs because of how stacked the AFC is. So you're talking that the Exactly. So you're talking the Bills have to go five and two over their next seven games. Well they can't even minimum. beat the bad teams. That's the thing. They can't <laughs> minimum even beat the five bad and two. Teams. Exactly. And and they have they still have the Eagles. They still have Hell. the Chargers. They Maybe still have L. the Chiefs. L. They still have the Cowboys. L. And they still have the Dolphins. L. They also have, I think, the Patriots and the Jets. Both of the teams Maybe they both lost L's. to already. I was about to say, like, that, there's a realistic shot that the Bills go 0-7 in that stretch. Or whatever. Now, they're not going to go 0-7 because realistically, I think they can be in any game that they play. But when it comes down to it, they're uh, I genuinely have a hard time finding five wins on that schedule. 
Well, they've been in every, <laughs> they've been in almost every game they've lost, with the exception of maybe that Cincinnati game. They've been in every game that they've lost too. It's just they can't get it done. They play down to their competition. Yeah. That's okay. pretty much all I have to say about the Bills, man. Yeah, let's quit. <laughs> I think I think we have uh, we have harped on them enough over the last couple of weeks. We we might need to give them a break. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when you hear that team like touted as a contender, one of the best teams in the league for what the last four years. Yeah, I mean, for the last four years, we've been told that they're in the same echelon as Kansas City and Philadelphia and San Francisco and Cincinnati over the last couple of years, like. They are clearly not in that same echelon. We got to keep that uh, same energy with them, I guess. Whenever they start to do the opposite of that. Um, okay, sure. let's move on to uh, the next game on our list. Uh, the Jaguars were tamed by the 49ers this weekend. Uh, Justin, I'm going to let you kind of kind of give your thoughts on this one first. Um, yeah, are the 49ers when they're healthy? Are they the best team in the league? I mean it. I don't know if I want to go that far, but it clearly looked that way on Sunday. I mean, they this was like as perfect as, as you could have asked for. I mean, with, with Debo and Trent Williams coming back, you didn't think that those guys, that two guys would make such a big difference. But in the couple games that they didn't have them before the bye, and now this game with them, I mean, it's, it's two different teams. And... I mean, you, you you look around at that roster. They have pro bowlers everywhere. They, I mean, every single group that they have has a pro, has at least one pro bowler, and you could argue a couple Hall of Famers. So, I mean, I they, I don't I don't know if I'm going to say they're the best team in the league. I'm not going to say that because they do have three rough losses, um, but. When healthy, they are one of the best teams in the league. Probably the second best team in the in the NFC. So you're not gonna throw. A, they're gonna win the the Super Bowl, the NBA Finals. The <laughs> no, no, <Okay>. no. <laughs> they didn't win seventy to twenty. Fair, 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 fair. Okay. If you win seventy to twenty, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Um. So the next question I'm gonna kind of ask myself, but it's it's more of just I want to take a step back. So what have we heard about Brock Purdy when he's playing well? Well, we've heard that he's he's, a good quarterback. Well, I mean, we've had people comparing him to Joe Montana, and we've had people comparing him to Mahomes, and he could be – I called him Joe Montana Jr. as a joke. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, You know, I did think that he was really good, but I think that – where I want to push back those people saying, "Oh, well, Brock Purdy proved that he, you know, he answered the questions we had about him with this game against the Jaguars." And my pushback is, did he really? Because I mean, he won exactly the games we expect. We, you know, he's consistently won these games where they get out to a big lead early, and he doesn't have to be a hero when he has all of his pieces around him. These are the games he he has consistently won. So it's harder to call him not, you know, like say he's not a system guy, he's not someone benefiting from that system when the, you know, when the times got tough, he didn't have his best pieces, he looked a little rough out there. I'm not saying he's Josh Rosen. I want to be very clear about that. I think he's a good quarterback, but I just think we should slow our roll on saying like, oh, he's he should be an MVP. Like the, Brock Purdy for MVP was a legitimate discussion with the first five games of the season. 
Like, people were legitimately having that conversation. And I just think we need to slow down a little bit. Like, it's his second year. We haven't really seen him step up and be that MVP-level player. Like, it's hard to not have a lot of touchdown passes and a lot of good stats whenever you're throwing to Debo, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) Yeah, it makes it a lot easier. It does. So, you know, like, I'm not saying he's bad by any means, but I think, you know, saying, oh, well, he's back, he's going to be an MVP. Like, maybe let's just be a little, a little slower on that. The other thing that made me sad was that uh, Christian McCaffrey's touchdown streak ended at 17 straight games. He did not score a touchdown against the Jaguars, much to the uh, sadness of my fantasy team, although I did end up still winning. Um, Justin, should the Jaguars panic? Um, I don't think it's time to panic just yet. I mean, yes, the Texans and the Colts both gained a little bit of ground on you on Sunday, but... Um, uh, I mean, they are still in full control of this division and full control of their destiny. So, I, I mean, it just comes down to, you know, how they perform over the next, uh, what do we have, about two months left in the season. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't think it's time to panic just yet. I think you just ran into the wrong team at the wrong time, you know. Um. So, it, it like I said, it just depends on how they play over the next couple of weeks. Um. But... Uh, I mean, they they do kind of have to be looking over their shoulder for for Houston and Indy, um, and, and not thinking that they have this division under wraps. Yeah, because I mean, I'll be honest with you, there wasn't a single thing about the Jaguars that wasn't awful on on Sunday. I yeah, mean, it was not great. Trevor Lawrence was awful. Their running game was awful. I'm not even sure their receivers got got out the locker room. Their defense was awful. Like. It just, it was one of those games where like you can't, you want to just chalk it up to the bad a bad game. Like we saw the Lions do this a few weeks ago against the Ravens, right? Like you want to just chalk it up to a bad game. We've seen them be good, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. You don't want to you don't want to do that too much because Houston is coming for sure. Um, speaking of Houston, are you ready to ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> All right. Well. Uh, headline from this game was that um, Joe Burrow, with uh, seemingly the chance to win the game on two straight drives, forgot what team he was on, and then C.J. Stroud delivered another magnificent performance as the Houston Texans kicked a game-winning field goal over the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, Burrow did not play particularly well, and yet despite that, they had a chance to win the game at the end. He hit Tyler Boyd right in the hands, and Tyler Boyd decided at that specific moment that his controller was dead, and he forgot to catch the ball. And, I mean, it was just one of those, like, wide open, hits him directly in the hands. You could not ask for a better throw. You have to catch that. The Bengals instead settle for a field goal, and then your defense decided to give uh, C.J. Stroud a police escort to the uh, field goal range. Justin, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this game. Hmm. I actually didn't get to watch it um, too much. I got to kind of see the highlights, but I didn't really get to watch it. So why don't I just let you give us a Tavner's tirade part 57? <laughs> um, you know, I, I want to I start by saying that I don't blame Tyler Boyd. While it is just an absolutely awful drop that, I mean, I could have caught, I mean, mistakes do happen, and if – you know, Burrow doesn't throw those two picks, or our defense plays better, or anything else goes our way, 
Um, Tyler Boyd's not in that situation where he has to make that catch. Hey, Tyler Boyd, um, Tyler and, Boyd just ask the Bills because I'm pretty sure for the entire first half, not a single one of their receivers caught a ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the play calling on that last offensive possession when it was goal to go was just terrible. I, I mean, the sequence went, Joe Burrow drops back and gets sacked. Um, so now it's second and goal from the 12. And then... I don't know if it was Zach Taylor that called this play or if it was Joe Burrow that audibled out of it. But on second down, they decide to run a QB draw right up the middle, and Burrow goes nowhere. So now it's third and third and goal from the 12. And, and then Tyler Boyd drops the pass on, th- on third down, forcing them to settle for a field goal. Uh, I don't understand that sequence at all. To me, that's like, like I said, I don't, special. <laughs> I don't know whose decision it was to do that QB draw. So I can't solely blame it on Zach Taylor. Because I've heard that it, you know, Burrow may have audibled out of it, but man, that is not great. <laughs> that was, was brutal. Um, as for the defense, <laughs> if you would have sat me down, if if I had just no knowledge of football, I, I had no idea what was going on. I knew the ins and outs of the game, but I didn't know a single thing about a player in the NFL. If if you would have sat me down in front of the TV and made me watch that game. I would have assumed that Noah Brown is is the top three receiver in the league. That Noah Brown was a top three receiver in the league. That is the takeaway that I would have gotten from that game had I known nothing about uh, about the NFL. Unless you're a diehard Texans fan or anything like that, your reaction to that name should be, who? (laughs) Exactly. It's so, like, I, I don't... I don't understand how they how they let Jesse Bates and Von Bell both walk. It and it clearly is hurting them and they need to fix it. And I don't know how Nick Scott still has a freaking how does he have a job? He he would make Eli Apple look like a pro bowler. I I don't he's so bad. So bad. And then we draft a guy from Alabama, Jordan Battle, who doesn't play. At least give the guy a chance. For, from the times that he's been in there, he's actually been pretty solid. Why are we not starting him over Nick Scott? Nick Scott has clearly proved he's not him. Well, and even if he, he's even if he's not a great player, there is nothing he can do out there that's going to be worse than what Nick Scott did. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so frustrating. I'm going to keep the... The, the tirade kind of short and sweet at that. Okay. Um, I mean, outside of the tirade, dude, I mean, what else? Like, outside of that, what you just said, what else is to there to say that hasn't already been said at some point this season? Exactly. Um, the one Stroud? thing for the Titan, for, or for the uh, for the Texans here is C.J. Stroud is now in that small list, That's that small echelon of quarterbacks that you cannot give too much time to because – they they he'll find a win a way to win the game. They're gonna carve you up. Exactly. I I mean he like I would say the list of quarterbacks that you don't want to give too much time to right now are now Mahomes, Burrow, and C.J. Stroud. You give too much time to any any three of those guys, you're probably gonna lose the game. Yeah. Not always. I I mean you know not you're not always gonna you're not always gonna lose the game, but I would say ninety five percent of the time you give them two minutes and a timeout. You're done. You may you may as well not even throw a defense out there. You're done. It's like Brady. and 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they're in the same conversation with that. I think CJ Stroud should be in the MVP conversation. I said it last week, and I'm doubling down on it again. I I don't know if it what if 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 he were a third year player doing this, would he not be in the top three for MVP? Oh, he absolutely would he not be? He exactly. Would. I hate that it's oh he's a rookie he needs to prove it blah blah blah. He is proving it. He, he's, what, <laughs> what more does, does he, have, he to have to do? do? <laughs> exactly. He, he is averaging the most yards per game, almost 300 a game. Like what he's more does a that rookie. Have to do? He's throwing to Tank Dell and Noah Brown. Who? What, like, what are we talking about? Who, who, I don't even know who their backup quarterback is. I, it might be like, no, it's not Mike Glennon. Whoever it is, I'm sure it's not good. If you put them in there in that same offense, I guarantee this team is, what are they, 5-4? and four? I guarantee this, or what are they, 5-5? Five and five? Something like that, yeah. I, I guarantee if you put the same, if you put a different quarterback in there that's on their team, they're 2-8. and eight. Like, CJ Stroud is clearly the most valuable player on that team, and I he's got the stats to, to back it up, man. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what more he has to do. No, and I will say, too, I'm... I've come around to your side, man. I have. I am I'm all about it. I think he absolutely should be in the conversation for the MVP. And in all honesty, if we take most valuable player at the at face value, I don't know that anyone has an argument over him. Not right now. <laughs> Not through week 10. Also, his backup quarterback is Davis Mills, and then his backup quarterback is Case Keenum. All right, my point exactly. You put Davis Mills in that same situation, they're two and eight, maybe worse. True, I mean, this but... this is a team that won two games last year. They they've already won five, and we still have they they, they still have seven games to play. Ah, I think it's absurd. He is not in the top three in MVP voting right now. I agree, honestly. Like I know I I know I gave arguments against it last week, but. This game against the Bengals, I think, really, it really was a statement game. Like, it's that game of, like, hey, I heard the haters, I am here. Because whenever it looked like Cincinnati was going to win the game, he, like, CJ himself put the team on his back and said, no, we are winning this game. Yeah, and he even threw that late-game pick that gave a chance for the Bengals to get back in the game and then shook it off, drove down the field, and got in field goal range. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, he he bounced back from a terrible interception. Only his second of the season, might I add. He's a rookie. In 10 games, he's only thrown two picks. The next closest is is Lamar with five. Uh, I mean, and and Lamar's right now miles ahead of him in MVP voting. And I just don't know Uh, why. Well, I do know why. Dude, I I need someone to explain to me, like I'm five years old, as to why he's not top three in voting, other than the fact that he's not a rookie. Anyway, I think that the other argument would probably be like team success, but at the same time, like not every team is going to be eight and one, or you know, it, if he can, if he leads that team to the playoffs, if he leads that team to the playoffs, a team that law that won two games last year and averages three hundred yards a game and throws and, and, and throws thirty touchdowns and five picks, how is he not MVP? Yeah, if he does, uh, if he doesn't I mean, win MVP, then I don't think the people voting should ever be able to vote again. <laughs> no no all right all right well let's uh let's move the ball to a different court 
uh, pun intended. And uh, we'll go to the uh, NBA for a minute. So uh, if the playoffs started today in the Eastern Conference, as we all predicted, um, we have the 76ers in first, the Celtics in second, the Pacers in third, the Heat in fourth, the Bucks in fifth, the Hawks in sixth, the Magic in seventh, and the Knicks in eighth. And then in the Western Conference, we have uh, maybe a little more predictably, but still some shocks here. Uh, the Nuggets first, Mavs second, the Timberwolves third, the Rockets fourth, the Oklahoma City Thunder fifth, Sacramento Kings sixth, the Golden State Warriors seventh, and the Lakers eighth. So, Justin, here's what we're going to do. Since we're still a little early in the NBA season, <clears throat> let's talk about our biggest Eastern and Western Conference surprises and letdowns so far, and I will let you start us off. All right, so my biggest surprise, uh, as, as just in terms of how well they're doing, is the Minnesota Timberwolves out in the Western Conference. I mean, they are 7-2 and two, um, and, and sitting in third place. And, dude, Anthony Edwards? <laughs> Anthony Edwards is him, bro. He is him. That, that is a bad man. Did you see what you he said to not want, Yeah, yeah, you do not want to make him mad because the result that happened against the Warriors a couple days ago, that's the that's the result you're going to get. Like, whew. Uh, yeah, I, I did not see the Timberwolves being this good. Um, while they still could cool off, uh, so <laughs> thus far through a couple weeks, they're really good. Um. My biggest letdown in the Western Conference is the Memphis Grizzlies. And I wanted to go with the team that you're going to choose, um, but I figured I'd let you have that one. Well, thanks. <laughs> uh, I went with the Memphis Grizzlies because while I know they are missing Ja Morant and uh, Steven Adams is out for the year, this is still a team that was in the playoffs last year. They were the three seed, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I know that John Morant's a good player, but he's the difference of you guys being the third seed, and now through a couple weeks of the season, you were, what I believe they're one in eight? Yeah, aren't they 15th? <laughs> they, they are last. Like, I, I, this is, like it's, it's the same roster, other than John Morant being out. Man, Dylan Brooks and, and really Steve was Dad worth a lot more than we thought. <laughs> apparently, man. I, I don't know. I like I said I didn't expect this team to be you know amazing, but I didn't uh, I don't know I, I didn't think they were going to be this bad. So biggest letdowns the Grizzlies. Um, the biggest surprise in the Eastern Conference is the Indiana Pacers. I mean Tyrese Halliburton's averaging twelve point two assists per game, and I they are just they're just fun. They're just they're a young team. If only he and his teammates involved more. Right, yeah, twelve point two is not enough, clearly. Um, but yeah, they're just a fun team. I, I don't, I don't even know what else to say about them. They're, they're just, they're, they're fast. They're young. They're, 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 they're a good team. They're a good team, surprisingly. Um, and as for my biggest letdown on the Eastern Conference, probably has to go to the Chicago Bulls. I, it's, I, I, I they have the talent, man. They have DeMar DeRozan. They have Zach Levine. They have Nikola Vucevic. They have the pieces. I don't understand how they're so bad. <laughs> I, I mean, they are paying that team a lot of money for them to be this bad. It's kind of embarrassing. I don't get it. It almost makes um, me feel like the one-and-done 
that like don't do well like honestly sometimes Kentucky stuff like that where like you got guys that are good individually but it's hard to get them to mesh together there's got to be something but it's like on paper it feels like they should fit but they don't <laughs> yeah like something is off dude I don't I don't know what it is and it, and it like I said it's the same team from last year it's the same team and I know that team got bounced in the in season turn or the um play in whatever it's called the play in tournament that's what, yeah <laughs> Uh, I know they got bounced in that, but like, I mean, they were still a good team last year. I mean, the Grizzlies, <laughs> they weren't this bad, that's the, for sure. The Grizzlies might be bad enough to get bounced in the in-season tournament, but yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> All right, Ben, what about you? All right, well, my biggest surprise in the Western Conference. Uh, I joked earlier that Dylan Brooks must make that much of a difference, and well, my biggest surprise is, of course, the Houston Rockets. Houston was bad last year. Like, they were no, they so were real bad, bad last year. <laughs> uh, and I I crapped on Dylan Brooks saying, oh, well, he's not going to be – he's not going to be worth the – what would they pay him, like $80 million, something like that? Yeah, a lot of money. Like, I – and so far, man, he is – he's a bruiser, and he gets his teammates involved, and Houston is just shocking me right now because I did not see this coming at all. Oh, yeah, no. The biggest Western Conference letdown – one that I stole from you. Well, I didn't steal it from you, but I stopped you from being able to use it. Is, of course, everyone's favorite little brother, the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> the Clippers. <laughs> They're so bad. The Clippers right now feel like whenever Draymond hosted his podcast from the uh, um, the ESPYs during the... Um, whenever they won the uh, title in 2022 and he was like i'm here in los angeles the home of seven professional sports teams and the clippers <laughs> <laughs> like and honestly i thought that Kawhi, paul george and russell westbrook fit together really well i thought they played together well i thought that they complemented each other's skill sets really well everything seemed like it was good so what did they do they added probably one of the biggest drama queens in the history of the sport in James Harden, who has forgotten how to shoot the basketball and is trying to be a playmaker on top of Russell Westbrook, who is also trying to be a playmaker, and it is just not working. I don't think they've won a game since they signed James Harden. They have not. I just, I don't, I don't know what else to say, man. They're just, they're awful. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're really bad. And with the talent they have on that team, you shouldn't think that they are. But, man, they are. I mean, they have four guys, who, if I'm not mistaken, that were in the NBA Top 75. Yeah, all four of them have been multi, multi-time All-Stars. Multi-time first-team, second-team NBA. And yet, they are just... Ugh. <laughs> all right, on to the Eastern Conference. My biggest surprise, the Orlando Magic. <laughs> I caught it. So you did, and I will give you full credit for that. You said that the Orlando Magic could be a playoff team. Um, I, you know, they were really bad last year. Weren't they? Were they last in the East? Um, I think they may have been better than Detroit. Okay, well, they were still pretty bad. Um, and they have just—they've turned it around. It seems they're looking really well. Um, you know, they're—they're they're playing. Playing some good basketball right now, and like I said earlier, if the season ended today, they would be the seven seed, so kudos to the Magic. And then my Eastern Conference let down the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
with a player like Donovan Mitchell, you just expect them to be good. You know, like, I'm not saying they have to be contenders, but you just expect them to be good. And they're just not. They look really bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know either, but those are mine. So a little bit of NBA action. We're going to kind of shift back over to the NFL for a minute. Um, so Josh Dobbs is apparently elite. Uh, he's led the Vikings back into playoff contention. Um, you know, they're now a game and a half back from Detroit in the division. And they still play them twice. So, I mean, they do control their own destiny with just seven weeks left. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson returns in week 11 uh, against the Broncos. So, it'll be good to see him back. And I think Josh Dobbs will definitely benefit from having a great weapon in Justin Jefferson. And then I don't know if you saw... So, for those of you who um, are listening in, we have a shared note that we edit together uh, with our podcast ideas. And kind of, we bounce ideas off of each other and... We don't really script a lot of the podcast, but we do have a couple of things like we know we want to say or touch on that we'll write down. And Justin wrote down a question of, can they make a push for the division? And I commented on it and said, LOL, no. <laughs> Rude. You deserve that. Um, I will say, I feel like Detroit is going to win the division, um, and they're likely going to get the two seed. But Minnesota is very much alive for a wild card spot, despite starting one and four. Um and then, you know, Josh Dobbs, man, he is just such a smart player. And you can tell. I mean, he makes the right decisions. He leads the team with poise, and they've rallied around him. And honestly, I just – it's hard not to root for him. Like, obviously I'm a Titans fan, but he is just – what a story. Um, what were your thoughts over the Vikings? Yeah, man. I, like I said, uh, one of my, my uh, quote-unquote hot takes last week was that, you know, Josh Dobbs is going to lead them to a, a playoff spot. And as it stands right now, they are in the playoffs. Um, and, and honestly, the NFC, especially towards that, you know, that, that, that seventh spot, it's, it's wide open. Um, and, and like you said, they, they control their own destiny. And, you know, I, I do think it's going to be a tough ask for them to go out and, and beat Detroit twice. Um, so I, I think that's a little unrealistic, but I, I think it's just a fun storyline to explore that, like, they start one and four, Kirk Cousins tears his ACL, they go trade for, for or yeah, his Achilles, um, they go trade for Josh Dobbs on the trade deadline, and he leads them to a division title. Like, I, I think that would be incredible. I do think it's probably Im- improbable, um, but I, I, I don't know, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> Probably improbable. I have spoken. You have such a way with words. I know. Um, I'm very eloquent. That that is a word you could put there. Yes. Um, <laughs> so no, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, we we kind of echoed each other's sentiments there, but Josh Dobbs, man, he was he was great in Tennessee. I mean, great is relative. Obviously, Tennessee was booty, but. Um, you know, he was a solid backup when we needed him, and then he had Arizona competitive in, like, every game they were in. And then, uh, you know, he went to the Vikings, and he's leading them on. Speaking of Arizona, let's move on. Uh, Kyler Murray is back out there running around like a toddler who just stole your phone and is trying to get away from you. <laughs> and the, the Falcons, man, they're just <laughs> – we touched on it last week, but they're poverty. Yeah, they're so bad. <laughs> so Kyler Murray led a game-winning drive to get into field goal range. Uh, he went 19 for 32 for 249 and a pick. Um, and then he did carry the ball six times for 33 yards and a touchdown. 
Justin, what were your thoughts on this game? Um, I, I mean, I, I think Kyler Murray is clearly a really good quarterback. Um, I, I think the Cardinals missed him. And, you, you know, I, I think that last scramble that he had that, on, on that, that game-winning drive, um, it just kind of shows you how dangerous he, he, he can be. Um, the, the one thing that I just, I don't know is I just don't know what the Cardinals are trying to do. You know, like, uh, like, are they trying to tank? Are they, are they trying to showcase Kyler Murray off so that they can ship him, ship him off after the season? Are they wanting to keep Kyler Murray and try to build pieces? And it's like, if that's the case, why are they winning? Because, they want a better draft spot because I don't think this team is a Super Bowl caliber team. I I just I, I don't know what this franchise is doing. I, I don't know where they're headed. You know. In your defense, like, can you like say can you elaborate on? That? I have no idea. In your defense, I don't think they know uh, what they're doing. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. Like I've you've been hearing rumors for weeks now. Oh, they're going to tank for Caleb Williams, and then they've brought kyler murray back like and now they're winning games and it's just like why (laughs) so i don't know i i'm with you like i don't i don't understand what the point is um with that i'm not going to try to understand that what i will leave this topic with is that i think kyler murray impressed the hell out of me um i mean it's his first game back and he looked he looked pretty solid for an acl injury uh, he seems to be making pretty smart decisions um, on a really bad team. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what his future looks like with the Cardinals or on another team. I think that there are definitely some quarterback-hungry teams that if they can't draft, they could potentially be in the market. But if you're Arizona, I just I don't know why. I, I really don't. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I don't know what they're trying to do, man. I don't either. Keeping kind of with that All same right. theme of uh, not knowing what they're trying to do. Let's revisit the Clippers, shall we? <laughs> Once again. <laughs> <laughs> Has the James Harden experiment in Los Angeles already failed? Yes. Yes, it has. <laughs> James, they are, the, the Clippers are 0-4 with James Harden since he was traded. He has a... Plus minus in four games of minus 67. That means when he is on the court for the four games they have played, when he is on the court, the Clippers have been outscored by 67 points. For those of you you listening, for those of you listening, that's not good. (laughs) That's not good. Like you said earlier, he is the biggest diva in the NBA. You know, I understand him leaving OKC. He wanted more money, blah, blah, blah. He didn't like what was going on in Houston. So he just forced his way out of there and said, I'm going to go play with my best friend, Kevin Durant. Well, don't don't forget that he teamed up with like eight different people in that time span in Houston too. Like, Yeah, he, he said, you know what? I don't want Chris Paul. Or he was like, I want Chris Paul. Okay, now I don't want Chris Paul. I want Russell Westbrook. Okay, now I don't want I, – I don't want to play in Houston – Go, let me go play with, with my friend Kevin Durant. Okay, well, this isn't working, and now I want out. Trade me for Ben Simmons. I'm, I'm going to go play in Philly. 
And then he goes to play for, play in Philly with an MVP Joel Embiid. And let's not act like Embiid was the problem. James Harden scored nine points in Game Seven against the Celtics last year. Nine points, and he wants to be. He wants to say that he's a, a great player. I, w- I would argue he's not even top twenty five right now. Easily top not 25? top twenty five. Bro, he might not be top fifty. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, th- this last time he goes. You know what? I, I don't. I'm not going to play for Daryl Morey. I want out of Philly. Let me go play with with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook again. And we see how it's going. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Harden and Russ are just too ball dominant. They both need the ball in their hands. And like I said earlier, I just don't know why you mess up a good thing. Like, Russ had a good role with the Clippers. He was happy. He was playing really well. The Clippers were doing really well. I just, I don't understand why you make this move. You blow up your chemistry. I don't remember exactly what pieces they lost in that trade, but I know they lost some pieces. And now just defensively, they are getting just run off the floor. (laughs) And that's with two really good defensive players in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But they can't guard everybody. Russ, I think, unfortunately, is going to end up getting moved from the Clippers. Um, Because I don't think this is going to work at all i mean i think we're already seeing that i think by the by the trade deadline i think russ is going to end up out of there and the reason yeah i don't think they traded for harden just to move him again. not give him the ball you yeah know. and obviously they want to keep Kawhi and paul george because they still think they can win a championship with them so and i just don't know that james harden is an upgrade from russell westbrook at this point and i know 2018 you would slap me in the mouth for saying that but i don't know <laughs> that he is an upgrade from james or from russell westbrook at this point Actually, 2018, you might not, because Russ was still really freaking good then, too. But maybe, like, 2019, yeah. 2020. Let's go with that. <laughs> still averaging triple-doubles. Okay, yeah, for the Wizards. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot that he played for the Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> that's such like, a weird... That's like a, such a weird dream, fit. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think if James Harden can't make it work in, in L.A., I think it's time we start talking about his career as a letdown. Um, people want to act like he's a top-three shooting guard of all time. If he retires and doesn't win a ring, I I don't think he belongs in the NBA top seventy five, and that's with an MVP. So, any any final thoughts there? No, I think we've kind of kind of killed the uh, the Clippers enough. I, I don't think we have, but I'll let it rest for now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sh- I'm positive it is something that we will come back to later in the season. I can't imagine why. All right. On to, as Justin likes to say, the reason you all listen. Justin, why don't you give us your tears, my man? It is time. It's your favorite. It's your favorite part. I mean, well, maybe not yours, but other people's. <laughs> all right. Coming in at number 32, reclaiming that bottom spot. That's going to go to the New York Giants. Uh, Number 31, the Carolina Panthers. Number 30, the New England Patriots. Uh, Number 29, after their win against the Falcons, the Arizona Cardinals. Number 28, the Chicago Bears. 27, the Atlanta Falcons. 26, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, any comments on that that bottom tier? I'm gonna lie, I'm kind of surprised the Titans are down there. I'm getting to them. Don't worry. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> All right. 
Coming in at number 25, I have the Washington Commanders. 24, the Los Angeles Rams. 23, your own Tennessee Titans. Yes, number 22, rising up five spots after their win on Monday Night Football, the Denver Broncos. And at number 21, the New York Jets. Wow. Yeah. A fall from grace. All right, getting into the top 20. We have the Indianapolis Colts. Number 19, the Las Vegas Raiders. Number 18, the Tampa Bay Bucks. 17, after their loss to the Lions, the Los Angeles Chargers. They should just add another S to their... Uh, to their LOS, the Los Angeles just loss Wait, LOSS. Look at you. Yeah. Uh, and coming in at number 16, uh, right smack dab in the middle of the NFL, the New Orleans Saints, which is fitting because they are 5-5. Five and five. Ha! Um, moving into the top 15, coming in at that spot, we have the Buffalo Bills. Number 14, moving up two spots. I have the Minnesota Vikings. Number 13, after an impressive win, the Houston Texans. Uh, number 12, after a walk-off field goal, the Seattle Seahawks. And coming in at number 11, just missing out on the top 10, that would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I saw a stat um, that they're... I'm trying to remember it correctly. There have been 93 teams in the NFL um, that have been out... uh, Is it outgained? I want to say that there's been 93 teams in the NFL that have been outgained through their first 10 games by a certain margin. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are the only team of those 93 that have a winning record. And I don't know how. (laughs) Uh, Dude... Uh, they're six and three, and I have no clue. I, I don't ask me. It just feels like the most Mike Tomlin thing ever. I, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Here's a random shot at the Packers that I heard over the weekend. Um, the Packers have not won in Pittsburgh against the Steelers since Bart Starr was the quarterback. <laughs> Yeesh. Hey, we're finally giving uh, Justin some Green Bay Packers love. Is that love? uh coming in and i'm just (laughs) coming in at number 10 dropping four spots after their loss that would be the cincinnati Bengals. um look if you know tyler boyd doesn't drop that pass in the end zone the Bengals would be on a four game winning streak but they do have one of the toughest remaining schedules left and they need to right the ship somehow um on a short week traveling to baltimore who just came off an embarrassing loss to the Browns. It's a big ask. Uh, But if there's any team that I trust to do this, it's them, because they have proven it time and time again that that this is just something they do. So Bengals at 10. Yeah, um, like I said, the Bengals are just so weird. Because, like I, like I said earlier, it's one of those, like, just when you think that they're catching a rhythm and they're going to be amazing, they take, like, 52 steps back and shoot themselves in the foot. <laughs> yeah. And I know the Texans are good, 
But in the same vein, I know like we talked about, well, Tyler Boyd dropped a pat. You have to win that game. Like if Joe Burrow doesn't throw two interceptions before that, we're not even having the same conversation. So, but in the same vein of that, I, I you know I've talked about it here before that good teams find ways to win games and they didn't. I mean, let's be honest. Even despite all of the miscues and the turnovers and the defense getting torched, they were still in a position to win that game. They didn't, but they were in a position to had Tyler Boyd caught that pass. Which uh, I saw a stat that PFF graded that as the uh, the luckiest play of the week. It increased the Texans' winning percentage by thirty three percent on that one play. Wow! So uh, Bengals at ten coming in at number nine. I have the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I don't feel like I can justify moving the Cowboys up because they beat the worst team in the league, who was starting their third string quarterback, and they were at home. Uh, I mean, it, it's just what the Cowboys do. Uh, I, if we're being honest, I didn't learn anything about this Cowboys team that I didn't already know. They beat the bad teams, and they struggle against the good ones. We did learn that um, Tommy DeVito is a better um, quarterback than um, Daniel Jones. I'm a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Well, hey, he actually scored points, though. Daniel Jones did not <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Cowboys are really good at home. But unfortunately, they will probably not have a home playoff game when it actually matters. So Cowboys at nine. Yeah, I don't know. I have anything to add. I mean, Cowboys are good against bad teams. Yeah, which we already knew that going into the end of the week. So yep. Uh, coming in at number eight, dropping five spots after their loss to the 49ers. That's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I know I dropped them quite a few spots here, but I don't think that we should sell out our stock on the Jags just yet. Um, I I think they just ran into a healthy 49ers team who is just really hungry for a win. And let's be honest, their formula for winning is winning the turnover battle. And they lost the turnover battle four to nothing to the 49ers. You're not winning that game. No. (laughs) Um, But they should, should still win their division. Um, even with Houston and Indian, uh, Indy uh, making it interesting right now. So, uh, Jags at eight. Yeah, I think Jacksonville had a bad game, like I said earlier. Um, I'm not panicking on them yet. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. And I think that, you know, Jacksonville knows what they need to do to get better. I think they will. So, Jacksonville at eight, I don't hate it. All right, coming in at number seven, the... Cleveland Browns rising up three spots. Um, Deshaun Watson started this game going six of 20 and a pick six. Wow. (laughs) And finished it going 14 of 14 for 137 yards and a touchdown. Um, So if that's the quarterback that they're going to get in Cleveland, I think they can win their division. Their defense is solid, and they have weapons to compete with anybody in, in their division right now. Um, you know, I, I think at first we kind of looked at the AFC North as like a two-team race between the Brown, or between the uh, Bengals and the Ravens, and I think the Browns have comfortably inserted themselves into that conversation. Uh, so Browns at seven. The AFC North very quickly went from like, oh, we know exactly what's going to happen to, is anyone going to win? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Apparently everybody's going to win because... They have the best division record by 
it's not even close. <laughs> oh, they're gonna all get participation trophies. That's cute. Well, they might all make the playoffs. True. All right, Browns. Um, but yeah, Brown, Browns seven. Coming to number six, I have the Miami Dolphins. Um, not much to say. They're coming off a bye. Um, I will say they got some they got some easy games coming up. Um, but they finished their last three games of the season with an absolute gauntlet of Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. And I, I think even with that, they probably shouldn't have any issues just absolutely running away with this division, uh, just given the current state of the AFC East. So, uh, once again, not much to say on teams that are on a bye. Um, Dolphins at six. The Patriots are going to win that division somehow. <laughs> right, they're 2-8, and eight, but yeah. You come back and blow up later on, and they're actually leading the division. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, moving into the top five, dropping three spots after their loss. That's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. Um, look, their offense can compete with anyone in the league. Um, they just put up 30 points on one of the top three defenses in the league. Their defense is kind of starting to scare me a little bit, though, because they lost uh, Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey. So uh, I don't think they're done for the year, but they're going to be out for at least a couple weeks. So, um, man, the biggest issue haunting this team is that they cannot close out games. <laughs> they, they can't close out close games. Games that they're winning 38-3 to like they did against the Lions, yeah, they can close that out. That's easy. Games that are close that they can't afford a, a mistake, they're struggling to do that. And I get that their three losses aren't bad because, I mean, their worst loss is the Colts, and the Colts are 5-5, five and five, they're 500. And their other two losses are to the Steelers, who are currently 11th in my rankings, and the Browns, who are currently 7th. Those are good losses. But it's not that they lost them, it's the way that they lost them that concerns me the most. Um, but... All that being said, they do have Lamar, they do have Harbaugh, they do have a top three tight end, their wide receivers are are, are stepping up this year, they have an amazing run game. Um, this is a big matchup between them and Cincinnati. I, it, I think it's more of a must win for the Bengals, but if the Ravens want to kind of hold off the Browns, it's almost a must win for them too. Um, so Ravens at five. Yeah, I will say too, you said that it was a close game. Or like they lose these close games, but I mean they went up twenty four to nine and then thirty one to seventeen in the second half. So and when it got close, they couldn't close it out. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like it shouldn't have been close at all. No. But anyway. uh, but yeah, Ravens at five coming in at number four, jumping up four spots after their win. That's going to be the San Francisco Forty ers Um. You know, I just think this was a perfect like get right for get right game for the for the Niners. Um, I mean, there's not much more you can ask from your team when they have to travel across the country and they beat a, in my opinion, top ten team by 31 points. Um, I mean, the success on uh, of this team because they're so physical, because that's their their gameplay, their their style. It the success of this team relies on their health and. It showed in the in the couple games that Trent Williams and Debo weren't there, and it showed why it's so important. Um, you know, once they're back out there, so 
Uh, 49ers at four. I like it. All right, getting into the top three. The Detroit Lions moving up two spots after their win against the Chargers. Um, This team's going to be a really, really tough out for any team that they face in the postseason because they are just dominant in so many things that they do. If they want to run the ball down your throat, they can. If they want to take you over the top, they can. If they want to dink and dunk down the field, they can. And I get that their defense gave up 38 to the Chargers. It is still a wildly wild improvement from where they were last season. Oh, yeah. Um, so Lions at three. Man, once again, my Lions take. <laughs> Looking better and better, better every and week. Better every week. All right. And then these last two teams, uh, I'm just going to kind of give them to you both at once because both of them were on bye. Um, number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. And number one, the Philadelphia Eagles. And the reason I'm kind of grouping them together is because they were both on by, and we actually get to see who will be the clear number one between these teams uh, because they face off against each other in Arrowhead on Monday Night Football. So uh, Chiefs 2, Eagles 1, it's kind of how I have it laid out right now. I don't think it's unfair, um, but we'll see who the, uh, who the number one team is coming out uh, next week. Yes, sir. All right, give us your biggest riser and faller. Uh, I believe my biggest riser was the Denver Broncos moving up five spots after they beat the Bills. And my biggest faller was the Jacksonville Jaguars falling five spots after their... And I want people to know that this is a fluid list, um, but I also take into account when a team loses and how they lose and who they lose to. And so I get that they lost to the Niners, who I currently have ranked fourth. However, they lost by 31 at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, you know, I, that's how I justified dropping a, dropping a team five spots in, inside the top ten. Um, so, yeah, Jags are my biggest faller. All right. Phenomenal job as always, Justin. I thought that was a great list. Thank you. Um, I think they just get better and better every week. You know what? I'm going to leave you some room for improvement. So they 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 do get better every week, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you a big head. Um, I thought that you did really good. I the Bills are a team that I feel like you had a hard time placing. I did, I did. It it's one of those teams that like. Because of their past, you ex- like just in my mind, I'm just expecting them to do something, and they they aren't. <laughs> so it's it's I just don't know what to do with them because I don't want to be like, oh, they should be 22nd, and then they go win five straight, which they're capable of doing if they're playing good football. So I I just I don't know what to do with them. I get it. I get it. But but on the other side, I do think they're better than teams that I put them ahead of. The Saints, the Chargers, the Bucks, the Raiders. I think they're better than those teams. Even if some of those teams may have a better record. It's like, it's just, it is what exactly. it is. All right. Well, um, you know, we started the episode out with a revisit to our um, hot takes that we hit or missed on. So why don't we add some more uh, material for us to look at in week 15, shall we? Um, I will start us off. 
uh, with my hot takes of the week. My first hot take is that the Houston Texans will win the AFC South. I think that they're on a roll. Um, I'm still not 100% sold on Jacksonville. I just feel like they've... They're not, like, you know, far and away the best team in the AFC South as we thought they were going to be. Uh, Houston has been a big surprise, and if C.J. Stroud continues on his MVP campaign, I think that I think they will win the AFC South. My second one is that uh, the Bengals will fire Zach Taylor before the season ends. <laughs> I don't know if this would be good or bad for you, honestly. Like, I genuinely think that you'd be okay with the Bengals like missing the playoffs if it meant that you could be out from under Zach Taylor's play calling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think I told you this earlier that, like, I think Zach Taylor as a head coach is – I'm not going to say phenomenal, but he's really good. Yeah. I like him as a head coach. It we he's he's not a play he's not a good play caller. He's no. he's just not a good play caller. If we had a true offensive coordinator that called the plays, this team I don't I just don't with, with the personnel that we have, I just don't see how a team would beat us. If you all had Kellen Moore, then we'd be sitting here going, "Not one, not two, not three, not four. <laughs> exactly (laughs) and now i mean that's still true it is not one not two not three not four but it's not because you all are surpassing that it's because you're just not getting any (laughs) yeah so and then wrapping up my hot takes uh the detroit lions will make it to the nfc championship i'm gonna double down on that one and and the hot take part of this if they are the home team they will make the super bowl if they have that home playoff game for the nfc championship if they're the higher of the two seeds they're they're going to the super bowl I don't, I don't think they'll lose at home. Well, I guess the Lions are really big Chiefs fans this week. Guess so. All right, Justin, why don't you close us out, my friend? All right. My first hot take uh, is that the Cle- Cleveland Browns will win the AFC North. Ew. Look, it's not pretty. I don't want to say it. It physically ails me to say it as a Bengals fan. Um, but just given the way that this team is, is playing right now, it's hard not to choose them. Credit where credit's due. And what? Credit where credit's due. Exactly. They went into Baltimore and took care of business. Um, number two is that the following teams will draft a quarterback. And I actually don't have a team on here that I think needs to be on here. That would be the Patriots, the Giants, the Falcons, the Cardinals, the Bears, the Raiders, the Bucks, the Steelers, the Seahawks, and I actually forgot one. I think the Green Bay Packers will also draft a quarterback. I know that is a lot of teams, but I think all of those teams are in a position where the quarterback that they have is not the guy, and whether that quarterback that they draft comes in and starts immediately or the starter that they have uh, serves as a bridge guy as as uh, or serves as a bridge guy to that that rookie um just depends but i think all of those teams will be drafting a quarterback this year Hmm. and my final hot take is that i know justin fields has been hurt but uh when he comes back healthy i think that the bears should just continue starting tyson bajan um look if you go out there and justin fields gets hurt again um, then that kind of tanks his his trade value if that's what you're choosing to do with him at the end of the season. 
Um, I think teams, if you want to send him out there to try to showcase him, um, I, I think he's played enough football through his NFL career. I think teams know what he is. And the only thing you're going to get with Tyson Bajan is you're going to get either somehow, some way he proves that he's the guy and he's the starting quarterback of the future and he's the next uh, Brock Purdy. Or, more likely, he's going to prove that he's not the guy and that you needed to draft a quarterback anyway. So I think, for me, it'd be silly to start Justin Fields even when he comes back. Um, so, yeah, there you go. I'll do you one better. I think it's a little silly that they didn't try to move Justin Fields at the trade deadline. Oh, yeah, we've already talked about that. Oh, I know. I would have loved to have seen him in Atlanta. Oh, I know. All right, well, uh, I think that's all that uh, we have for the day, so... Like I said earlier, great job as always, Justin. It was a fun episode. Yeah, it was. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate everyone listening to us. And uh, make sure you check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an upload. And uh, on behalf of Justin, I'm Ben, and we hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you, guys.